What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Welcome to it. We're at 866-997-4748. We had quite a day today. There is a lot we need to process, and you will be part of that processing. We're just like cable news, except you don't have to look at our faces, and uh, we let you guys talk, too. 866-997-4748 is our number. Hope you had a great Wednesday. Chris Houseltz, our executive producer, running this monster from South Carolina. We are also blessed to have the iconic Thea Harper here, running this thing out of Brooklyn. My name's Johnny. I'm thrilled to be with you. A lot happened in the news today. We're going to be joined tonight by uh, Bob Seska, um, by, by, by uh, Dr. Tracy Pearson, who I just saw on Dr. Phil, and I've done a couple of panels with her on News Nation. And of course, in hour number three, our comedy daddy, Keith Price, joins us. There are many headlines, a lot to get through. Again, the number for the next three hours, 866-997-4748. Hello to all of our daywalkers, everybody who listens on demand, on the app, or on the Fugelsang podcast. How y'all doing? Hope you're good. You can always write to us at our show's Facebook page or my website, johnfugelsang.com. We read your stuff on the air. And hey, w- w- why not stay up, you know, till like, you know, 9.15 some night and join our evil army of the night. The live listeners at 866-997-4748. Either way, thank you. Whether you are listening live or listening through the magic of SiriusXM's merger with Pandora. <laughs> thank you very much for uh, being a very interactive crew. Uh... Where to begin? Republicans have won back control of the House. Yes, congratulations, everyone. Uh, They are now giving the Republican Party a toehold to check Joe Biden more than they've checked him. And uh, even though they had an overall disappointing midterm election, they won the House. They've got it. It's decisive. Came in a California race. Rep. Mike Garcia was declared the winner in his re-election bid. Democrats will now face opposition in the House to everything the American people sent them to do. Again, Don't forget, Joe Biden was elected president with more votes than any candidate for any office in the history of American politics. And now it's not going to matter. They will have even steeper opposition against things like gun violence. Well, actually, they they did something about that. Anti-voter laws, climate crisis, abortion rights. And, And again, Republicans won, but they won because of extreme partisan gerrymandering. We can talk about this in Texas and Florida, Ohio. I mean, if you don't understand gerrymandering, just go Google um, 
go Google something like Jim Jordan's voting district and then look on images and see how they draw these MC Escher acid flashback nightmare shapes to try to carve up districts as much as they can to dilute the non-white vote. It's nothing new. Ron DeSantis just did it in Florida. But hey, a win's a win. The Republicans hold the House now. Uh, They will run batshit crazy committees. You know it's going to be bad when Marjorie Taylor Greene is defending Kevin McCarthy this hard. She wants a gig. Again, a year ago, they were telling us they'd have a 60-vote majority. Instead, they're on track for the smallest of majorities, despite all of this red wave talk. It's been over a week of vote counting. To be clear and sure, they had definitely won the majority. And that majority they've won is going to be extremely difficult for whoever the Republican speaker is starting next year. I mean, obviously, keep your eyes on McCarthy. Keep your eyes on Steve Scalise. He's second in charge. He'll be the head of the Republican Study Committee. And their whole plan is still hold Social Security hostage any way they can. Hold Medicare hostage any way they can. Shut down the government if need be to get cuts to Social Security and Medicare because how did a rich guy's money get put in this socialist health care program? The majority party in the House dictates everything. They're going to investigate everything. They're going to fight so hard for the lives of the white people who sent them to Congress by looking into Hunter Biden's laptop. You should expect them to disband the January 6th committee on day one. And then on day two, they'll probably launch an investigation of the January 6th committee and try to prosecute Liz Cheney for wearing white after Labor Day. That'll be day two. They're going to now be chairing all the House committees. And all the people who are running to chair the House Budget Committee have said they plan to use the threat of America defaulting on our debt, which could trigger a global economic crisis, to force Democrats to agree to Social Security and Medicare cuts. And if they're stupid enough and mongrelly enough to actually do it, look for Democrats to play it smart and make sure every red state voter knows they're doing it. It's a reminder to all Democrats... And all everyone, once they're in office, keep one thing in mind. And this goes for you, Hunter Biden. Um, we've learned something in the past three or four years. Subpoenas from House committees, they're optional. You don't have to pay attention to them. And, uh, oh, if you lie to Congress, you should be fine. Unless you're Steve Bannon, you'll get away with it. And um, if you try to impeach anyone, it's a big waste of time. Kevin McCarthy is now set to become the most powerful Republican in Washington, D.C., which means there will be so much absurd shit in the next two years in this house. So many crazies fighting it out for supremacy and so much of Kevin McCarthy, who again, as head of the cult of selfishness, only cares about Kevin McCarthy and nothing else. His whole tenure will be trying to please all these different factions in his party to keep his job. It's going to be awkward. There's a very, very good playing field for the Dems to win it back in two years. But listen, I I know it might might, might sound sad, but don't feel bad. The news was not all bad today. In fact, you know what? I I think we got to give the top five good news stories of the day. Can you handle that? Because it was a pretty good day, all things considered. Uh, The House passed a bill to limit the use of non-disclosure agreements in workplace sexual misconduct cases. It's going to be a lot harder for evil bosses to use NDAs. That'll go to Biden for his signature. He will sign it. Um, NASA launched the Artemis One rocket on an unmanned lunar mission. It'll fly around the moon and pave the way for humankind's return. That's exciting. Um, uh, uh, Hey, we're not going to have World War III. That's, That's the best news of the day. 
NATO agreed that the missile strikes on Tuesday that hit Poland were most likely an accident. Yes, they were Russian-made missiles, but they were most likely fired by Ukraine. So it eases all the fears we were feeling all day yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. You might remember Joe Biden was very calm and measured about this, and now we know why. Here's Defense Secretary James Austin updating reporters on the missile impact in Poland and how we're not going to have World War III. Yesterday, we saw reports of a deadly explosion in Poland near its border with Ukraine. I spoke last night to my Polish counterpart, Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of National Defense, Błaszczak, and I conveyed my deep condolences to the Polish people and to the loved ones of those who were killed. I also underscored America's ironclad commitment to defend Poland. We have full confidence in the Polish government's investigation of this, of this explosion, and they've been conducting that investigation in a professional and deliberate manner. And so we won't get ahead of their work. We're going to stay in close touch with our Polish counterparts, as well as with our NATO allies and other valued partners. We're still gathering information, but we have seen nothing that contradicts President Duda's preliminary assessment that this explosion was most likely the result of a Ukrainian air defense missile that unfortunately landed in Poland. And whatever the final conclusions may be, the world knows that Russia bears ultimate responsibility for this incident. Thank you. Russia launched another barrage of missiles against Ukraine, specifically intended to target Ukraine's civilian infrastructure. This tragic and troubling incident is yet another reminder of the recklessness of Russia's war of choice. So again, I wanted to play that all the way to the end because he made a very important point. Russia didn't directly kill those people, or I should say more accurately, the Russian government, Putin's orders didn't directly kill those poor people in Poland. But Russia's invasion is the reason they are dead. Um, Here's some more good news. Maybe the best news of the day. Um, Six months ago, New Jersey began a ban on plastic shopping bags. And now, retail groups in the state estimate 4 billion plastic bags have been kept from the waste cycle because of the ban. And it's not that bad carrying a cloth bag around to get your groceries. Here's one more. You ready? One more piece of good news today, and it's a doozy. The Senate today went ahead and advanced legislation that would enshrine federal protections for same-sex and interracial marriages, clearing the way for this bill to become a law with bipartisan backing because a dozen Republicans joined Democrats in voting for the Respect for Marriage Act. Now, I know, Respect for Marriage Act, that sounds like what Donald Trump does when he's in public with Melania. I got to do the Respect for Marriage Act. Okay, I can do this. 62 to 37. It cleared the 60-vote minimum to overcome a Republican filibuster, and it's going to the floor. Chuck Schumer called the legislation a chance for the Senate to live up to its highest ideals, predicting that its passage would be one of the true highlights of the year for this body. Now, the Respect for Marriage Act was passed by the House last July. The Senate kept delaying their own vote on the bill till after the midterms because Schumer said it was too important to risk failure. So on the day Democrats lose the House... They passed this bill with Republican support. Here is uh, Senator Tammy Baldwin of the great state of Wisconsin with thoughts on the technical, less romantic aspects of marriage. 
We often think when we think about marriage of the wedding and the ceremony and the celebration, but we don't often think about the hundreds upon hundreds of rights and responsibilities that civil marriage confers upon couples. You know, Margaret and Denise were telling me about uh, their recollection of when the city of Madison passed a domestic partnership uh, uh, ordinance allowing them to register, and when that happened, for the first time, they could be on one another's health insurance. That's something that married couples kind of take for granted, that they can have one another on their health insurance. They had to think a lot about what they would do in an emergent situation where one might be in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Because without marriage, you are technically legal strangers, and literally, if Margaret were in the hospital after an accident, for example, Denise, without having uh, the appropriate papers, the health care power of attorney, would be viewed as a legal stranger yep. and potentially denied access. And that's how it works, but you have to care about people to understand it. Now, this was pretty impressive to have 12 Republicans vote with all Democrats to move forward on the bill. They, the House passed a same-sex marriage bill without a religious liberty component last summer with support from about 50 House Republicans. So the Senate has now passed this version. It'll head back to the House for approval. Mitt Romney signed on to it. Mitt Romney, who once supported abortion rights and gay marriage and climate science and then stopped now supports gay marriage again. So we're very happy. Welcome back, Mitt. Uh, Ron Johnson, by the way, last summer said, even though I feel the Respect for Marriage Act is unnecessary, should it come before the Senate? I see no reason to oppose it. Today, Ron Johnson voted no on the Respect for Marriage Act he promised to vote for last summer. And by the way, keep, keep in mind the Respect for Marriage Act, it takes a cue from Clarence Thomas's boast after they gutted Roe v. Wade that they would be going after, you know, uh, contraception um, and other uh, rights. Well, <laughs> they'd be going after gay marriage as well. Um, they made this protect interracial marriage. All the liberals saying, why didn't the Democrats ever get around to codifying same-sex marriage or abortion rights? Well, they never codified interracial marriage. It's just not something people get around to doing. They, they, they get the victory and then they don't back up the victory. I understand. You ever live like that? You don't back up your information. You just think it's going to last. It's a human failing. But Mitch McConnell voted no on this. Mitch McConnell, who is in an interracial marriage, voted no today to protect interracial marriage. You know what? Let's, let's give you one more bit of good news. Can I get, get, get one more bit? Because this is, this is a real feel-good thing. And I, we're halfway through the week. It's hump day. I want you guys to feel good going through the rest of the week. And... As you know, if you listen to this show, I've been saying for a couple of years now, Democrats, Democrats, I love you. Please do me a favor. Do me one favor. Don't ruin Donald Trump burning down the GOP. Merrick Garland, please. I, it's an unpopular opinion, but I can wait for Merrick Garland to go after Trump until after Trump burns down the Republican Party. Please don't burn it down until Trump has a chance to tear Ron DeSantis into ribbons. Now, it's possible that's not going to happen, but right now it seems like it could. We don't know why Donald Trump's doing this. Everyone around him is telling him not to. 
either he thinks he can avoid prosecution, he thinks he can make a deal with the eventual nominee for a pardon, or he's got so much compromise on him that some outside force is forcing him to do it. Maybe he's just doing it because he needs the money. He requires these rubes to pay all those lawyers he has. Well, Trump last night gave the worst speech of his life. We started playing it on the show, and and after about a minute, we cut away from it. I mean, it was the worst, okay, maybe not the worst speech of his life. I mean, did you hear it? He didn't say anything openly anti-Semitic. He didn't commit more treason. His dentures didn't pop out. He didn't encourage the crowd to physically beat protesters. So, yeah, okay, he's given worse speeches. But, but, but considering the stakes, this man's under a dozen investigations for crimes, from seditious conspiracy to defraud the U.S., to espionage, to defaming a woman who accused him of rape. Now, <laughs> there was not a single member of Congress in attendance last night, except for Madison Cawthorn, who's already been voted out by his own constituents. And Donald Trump announced he's going to run for president again. Um, Washington Post headline said, Trump, who as president fomented an insurrection, says he is running again. The twice-impeached former president has been eager to declare his candidacy, hoping to get ahead of likely rivals and potential criminal charges. You probably heard about the New York Post today, where Rupert Murdoch completely cut Donald Trump loose. Did you see the headline? It's worth looking at. At the very bottom of page one, there's a banner on the bottom of the page that just says, Florida man makes announcement. Page 26. And folks, this could be the most beautiful news I can deliver to you here on a holy hump day. We are now seeing the entire Republican apparatus who rode Donald Trump to cynical victory, who compromised all their values, now pretend that they're too good for him. The, the far right, not thrilled with the speech last night. Uh, white nationalist simian child man Nicholas Fuentes, he went on Telegram and called the speech an epic fail. He didn't like the fact there was no mention of voter fraud, no mention of big tech censorship, you know, the shit people care about in America right now. Uh, January 6th organizer Ali Alexander said Trump looked tired. Milo Yiannopoulos crawled out from whatever back room he dwells in and said, I wanted a gold elevator. Um, people trashed him all up and down on the right. And it turns out, if you read the New York Times today, Nate Cohn had a piece that called Trump's drag on Republicans quantified, a five-point penalty. They can now gauge how well the MAGA candidates fared compared with other Republicans. The five-point penalty measure controls for how the district voted in 2020 and whether the district was an open seat held by a Democratic or Republican incumbent. Another way to think about it, non-MAGA Republicans this year ran six points better than Trump did in 2020. So Trump's not really useful to the Republican Party anymore. He's dangerous. He's got some value in that he has a huge, deeply loyal fan base. As much as the people who run the party hate him, and most of them always have, they just held their nose and went along for the scam. Uh, he's got millions and millions and millions of white guys who can't spell your correctly. That will always support him. And the Republicans don't need him. He's been the hood ornament on their fascist Nazi clown car. They, they, have, they have completed their transition into a fascist conspiracy cult. They don't need him anymore. They don't need the Proud Boys. They don't need the Oath Keepers. Donald Trump lost the White House in 2016 by 3 million votes. And then he lost them the House in 2018. He lost them the presidency by 9 million votes and the Senate in 2020. And he lost them the Senate again last week. He killed the red wave. Even Rupert Murdoch is done with this guy. My biggest fear 
is that Trump is running because he realizes the only hope he has against a federal Department of Justice, against Merrick Garland's inevitable charges, are to call it a witch hunt and to say the witch hunt is existing just to stop him from becoming president again. And then when he drops out of the primary race, making a deal with Ron DeSantis, guaranteeing his own pardon. So here's the deal. We'll talk about Trump on this show as an entertainment factor, because he is. But guys, he's done. He's done like disco. He has trashed his adopted playhouse more than anyone who's not named Elon. And he's running. He's really going to run. And he's not going to pull out. If Donald Trump believed in pulling out, we wouldn't have Eric. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm John saying This is SiriusXM Progress. We are at 866-997-4748, and we are having more fun than Elon Musk and Donald Trump and Kanye West destroying their entire careers. Bob Seska is the host of The Bob Seska Show. Highly recommended. You may have also enjoyed his columns in Salon or his appearances on Stephanie Miller. We are always blessed to have him class the joint up on Wednesdays. Do subscribe to The Bob Seska Show for some of the smartest political talk and some of the hippest music talk as well. Mr. Seska, happy hump day to you. Oh, thanks so much, John. I appreciate it. Yeah. There's a How are you? lot... I, I'm happy to see you. I'm, I'm trying to keep track of how much processing we have to do. Uh, there's so much news going on mm-hmm. today. Glad we're not having World War Three. And yeah. not, I mean, the two big stories of the day are not really surprises. Um, the GOP did take the House. What does that mean? And Donald Trump is going to unsuccessfully run for president again. What does that mean? Where, where, where to mm-hmm. begin? Uh, what did you did you watch Trump's speech last night, Bob? Yes, yes, I did. But I, you know, I wanted to mention about the house real quick. Uh, Let's talk about that if, first. If you want to, I, I hate to yeah. commandeer your show, which I feel like no, I've no, no. Done, this, but... th- th- this is no, no. This is what I want to talk yeah. about. So let's 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 talk about the house because that news just broke tonight. Uh, the right. worst period of Kevin McCarthy's life is just beginning. What what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, you know, it occurred to me today that uh, because of the very sort of wafer thin majority that Kevin McCarthy will have. There isn't going to be any impeachment palooza. That was one of the things I was concerned about going into this midterm, that if the Republicans got enough seats in the House, it would just be nonstop uh, investigations and impeachments of Joe Biden. And the reason that would happen 
is because of rank payback. That's how Republicans operate. Donald yeah. Trump gets impeached twice because of clear crimes that he committed, high crimes and misdemeanors. Uh, that was then, you know, he was then put on trial in the Senate. And so consequently, the Republicans were going to come in and get payback. Arr, we're going to get our vengeance against Joe Biden. and We're going to impeach mm -hmm. him at least a couple of times. In fact, let's go for three while we have the chance. But they don't have the votes. They won't have yeah. the votes. They, they'll need to. I mean, unless Kevin McCarthy has some sort of superpowers in terms of holding that caucus together, like Nancy Pelosi happens to have. Nancy Pelosi holds the entire Democratic caucus together. Kevin McCarthy doesn't have those superpowers. So Kevin McCarthy will never be able to get to 218 votes to impeach Joe of Biden. Course. It's just never going to happen. So of we course. can at least breathe a little bit easier knowing that in spite of the House majority being Republican, they won't be impeaching Joe Biden anytime soon. Okay, let me let me. I I totally take your point. I think you're right. Maybe let that's me, a, a wafer nope. thin silver it's lining, but wafer it is. thin. It's wafer thin. Wafer, wafer thin. thin. Yeah. Uh, let, let me let me just give you a, another way to stand on the desk and look at that because I I do think you're right. Um, what they will do is have thousands and thousands and thousands yes. of hearings, investigations, yes. hearings. Hunter Biden's laptop, because you know that. That's what really affects the lives of working people right now is Hunter Biden's laptop from five years ago. Joe Biden's mm -hmm. withdrawal from Afghanistan, which Trump wanted to do even sooner and which Trump negotiated. They will be having hearings and investigations and, and reports and votes. And they're going to do it for the same reason they repealed Obamacare every other week. They're going to do it because they're not going to offer anything to their base, but they've got to keep them fired up. So I think yeah. you're right. They won't be able to impeach him, but it's going to be Benghazi. 2.0, exploit anything you can to get people as angry as possible. There are going to be hearings about grown, hairy men competing in girls' high school swim teams. Like, they're going to do everything in the playbook yeah. except help people to tie up the process. And uh, what, what scares me the most is they're, they're really going to try to shut down our government again unless they get mm -hmm. cuts in Social Security and Medicare. And I think the Democratic yeah. Party is going to be smart enough to telegraph that to the public. Yeah, again, I don't know if they've got the votes to do something like that, at least on the floor. But in terms of the hearings, yeah, that's absolutely going to happen. It's going to yeah. be, you know, it's going to be a circus sideshow constantly. There's going to be the chicken girl and the, you know, the the two-headed yeah. boy and, you know, just the an array of freaks. And By the way, Bob is referring to Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates, folks. That's who Bob, that's yes, chicken girl and two-headed boy. You, you read my mind. That's exactly yes. who I was thinking about. And so uh, that's going to happen. But you know what? In securing their base with those hearings, they're going to lose a lot of independent voters that's who it. are already done with their shit. I mean, that's the big takeaway from this midterm. Americans are done with the shit coming from the Republican Party. This is a repudiation of Trumpism and Trump himself. Unfortunately, Trump didn't get that message. The Republicans seem to have temporarily gotten the message, but not really, because they keep doubling down on the same nonsense, whether it's Fox News or any of the usual suspects. They keep going to that well of awfulness, and they just can't help themselves. That's what bullies and assholes do. <laughs> you know. I know. So, and I want to I, I bring it back to Trump in a second, but first let me ask yeah. one more question, because Marjorie Taylor Greene is uncharacteristically being uh, very pro-Kevin McCarthy. And she is just embracing the deep state as hard as she can and going as, as mainstream Republican as she can. She's infuriating Matt Gates. Is it reasonable, Bob, to presume that Kevin McCarthy has already bought 
her obedience by promising her a committee chairmanship. Because if she gets to run a committee, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, as horrible as it is, I think she deserves to be the face of this party. I think Kevin McCarthy should have to defend her even more. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope. Let's hope that Marjorie Taylor Greene gets to chair a committee because that would be great PR. Again, scaring independent voters, rallying Democrats. And we saw what's happened in the last three elections when that actually occurs. Yeah. So if if that actually I, and you know what it wouldn't surprise me because I think Kevin McCarthy wants to make sure that the rodeo clown caucus stays off his ass. And That's right. one of the things that Kevin McCarthy realizes is that the last couple of house speakers uh, you know whether it's john boehner or paul ryan ran up against the then the tea party caucus and then now the freedom caucus which i call the rodeo clown caucus it's entirely possible that unless he's careful with these people they're going to try to oust him the same way they've ousted previous uh, republican speakers so right. in that sense kevin mccarthy has a vested interest in giving uh marjorie taylor green a committee chair giving Jim Jordan a committee chair, which he's already going to be the uh, House Judiciary uh, chair, which mm -hmm. is a little scary. <laughs> now, you know what? I just now thought of that. And it's, uh, yeah, now I'm I, I'm just beside myself. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, it's a terrifying I, prospect. I, 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 I just kind of feel like it's it's theirs to blow. They're not going to yeah. do anything significant to try to improve the lives of Americans. They're not going to work with Democrats to pass legislation that can help improve the lives of struggling Americans. They're not going to do dick about inflation. They're going to finally have the House. They're going to do nothing but just sell more umbrage to the crowd. I, I really think the Democrats are in a great position to just let the Republicans have enough rope. Yeah, yeah. And that works. We've seen that work. We've seen in the exit polls how that works. So I, the last person in American politics I would ever want to be right now is Kevin McCarthy. Exactly. Because oh, I, he's got an impossible, I mean, as you were saying before, beautiful. he's got an impossible task. How do you balance the fact that a majority of Americans are sick and tired of this nonsense from, you know, the people who are copycats or worship at the feet of Donald Trump That's versus right. actually kind of doing something that would make the Republican Party seem less crazy? These are two things that are mutually exclusive. And mm -hmm. Kevin McCarthy's got to balance those things and figure out how to make both of them work because his career's on the line. If he pisses off, you know, the usual suspects, then oh, he's yes. out the door and who Say knows who, who else is going to take slower. over after him. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I get a little carried away here. Um, <laughs> Bob, let me shift gears slightly. What, 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 Bob, what, 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 why is Trump doing this? Why Why is he doing this? He, he can't win, uh, although he yeah. knew that last time. I mean, is he doing it because he thinks he can avoid prosecution? Is he doing it because he thinks he can win? Is he doing it because a foreign entity has compromise on him and is making him do it? Or is he doing it so he can negotiate with Ron DeSantis to give him a, a pardon in exchange for an endorsement? I mean, why is he doing this? Well, based on his announcement last night, he's doing it because he has to. I mean, that was the attitude of a guy who didn't want to be there and didn't want to say what he was saying. I mean, yeah. he was ambient sleepwalking last night. That I, was I what was it. happening in Mar-a-Lago. But uh, in reality, I think he believes strategically that this, by running for president, 
that he's adding another insurance policy, another get out of jail free card into his deck, right? So right. into his into his hand, if he's using a poker analogy. And so what this means is if he runs and he conducts what they're saying is going to be a low key kind of campaign where it's kind of low impact for him physically, it's right. not really a full on, you know, hit the ground running kind of thing, which he can probably handle. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what his well, health is like. He seems frail these days. I don't know. You're if talking about it. You're talking about his mailing list getting even more daily fundraising emails than they've gotten for the last two years. It sounds like. Yeah. Well, and those donors are all exhausted. I mean, there's been That's some it. reporting today from the Daily Beast and some others that say that Donald Trump can't keep going back to that well because he's taken in. I don't know. I think uh, between anywhere between 100 million and 150 million with Save America PAC and the subsidiary mm -hmm. PACs that he started, and so between that and the fact that he he was really stingy about that money and giving it to other candidates. In fact, he only ended up giving it to Republicans running in the mid midterms. After it was too late, after they had been saturated, right. and very few of them. I mean, he barely let any of that money go. Plus, the Republican National Committee gave him seven, or not him, literally, but gave his lawyers $7 million. Imagine, and this is me trolling the Republicans, of course. Imagine if that $7 million had gone to Republican candidates. And at least yeah. maybe, like, let's say... Herschel Walker. Let's say some of that seven million went to Herschel Walker. You think he'd be in a runoff right now? <laughs> you know, there are so many races where that could have probably helped the Republicans, but it went to Donald Trump and right. stingy Donald Trump, right? So, getting back to what I was saying, I think he's doing this because he thinks that if he wins, then that's a, a way to pardon himself. That's a way to put down these investigations. So of his course. idea is. Stall, delay, run out the clock until January 2025 when he can then take over. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. But he's still got that insurance policy in his back pocket. And he can cry witch hunt on the campaign yeah. trail for everything they do against him. You know, he, mm -hmm. he did look old and, and, and weaker last night. But my God, yeah. the hubris, the, 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 the blind confidence, the mad confidence was all still there um mm -hmm. he could eat ron DeSantis alive in a debate this guy and i i can't help but being terrified that the overall plan is if trump gets the nomination he asks DeSantis to be a running mate which could be the only way trump can beat biden or and feel me out on this one what really scares me trump knows he can't win but he knows if he runs and racks up a few delegates in the primaries he can cut a deal with DeSantis that he will drop out and endorse him in exchange for a you-know-what from President DeSantis on day one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure that's somewhere in the back of his brain. Maybe it hasn't occurred to him yet. I, I'm going to assume it hasn't occurred to him yet. I'm going to assume that strategically, John, you just came up with a solution to one of his problems <laughs> if he mm -hmm. gets that far. Uh, <laughs> but as far as DeSantis goes, I think... DeSantis is the Republican Party's new trophy wife. Yeah. You know, Donald Trump, he's passed his shelf life. He's passed his expiration date. And they're looking for someone new and That's fresher right. and younger and more sparkly. That's right. And they found Ron DeSantis and they're going to give him a try. It's entirely possible that once they road test Ron DeSantis nationally, that they decide, eh, you know what, maybe this isn't the guy. But oh, I'm sorry, Bob, Bob. They're 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 giving all their 
personal information to Ron DeSantis after one Tinder date. They have chosen this guy. <laughs> I mean, they can go ahead and have like 20 other Republicans run. The GOP has picked Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? They're still going to run a primary. They're still going to have other candidates running oh, for yeah. president. Mike Pence all but said he was running this week. Oh, uh, and, wow. and I think you're going to see. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be exciting. Wow. How's my Ma- margin energy. of error is terrified of Mike Pence. Oh, he's going to yeah, kick margin of error's ass in all the polls. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But there is an entire there's going to be a whole cattle call of Republicans who are going to run. If the midterms had gone the way they wanted it to go, if had there been a red wave, Right. Uh, there would have been an uncontested primary with either DeSantis or Trump, probably Trump. But you know what? That's off the table now. They've got to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Well, then here's the question. Are you afraid of Ron DeSantis? No, I you know what? I, I you know what? I'm 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 I don't know how to determine. To I, I think what we ought to do is hope for the best, hope that Ron DeSantis, as I'm predicting, kind of crashes and burns, hmm. uh, but expect the worst. Be prepared for the fact that Ron DeSantis is the slightly more disciplined Trump. He doesn't mouth off the way Trump does. He's a little bit more reserved in that sense. Uh, but he does. I'm not saying he doesn't have a temper. He certainly has a temper. But uh, he's not erratic and weird and crazy like Donald Trump, or at least he doesn't come off that way. But he is so corrosive and sense, he is corrosive and bigoted yes. and blackhearted like Trump. Absolutely, and, he, and, and, yeah. and not I as mean, smart he's full on Trumpism. And, be, and being smarter than Trump doesn't mean one smart, right? I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. The, guy, <laughs> no, the guy's charisma is gr- his charisma is great for a Republican from Florida. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Well, he's which means he has no charisma. And that's the problem. That's I yes. think a lot of national Republican voters. I think I've talked about it on this show before that a lot of national Republican voters who haven't really seen Ron DeSantis up close are going to finally take a look and go, well, are we sure it's this guy? I mean, if you remember in uh, what was it? Uh, 2016, there was always there was one week where each candidate had a week as the front runner on the Republican right. side. Oh, 2012. This week, yeah, 2012. Exactly. Ron Paul for a week. Yeah. 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 Well, that could happen again. I still have not ruled out the possibility that the Republicans are going to see the single woman vote from this midterm election, how the Democrats were able to dominate that vote. And that makes me think they may try to outflank the Democrats by running a woman at the top of the ticket, not just as vice president. They may end up running Christy Nome or Nikki Haley. Love or it. as an, there's an outside show, Carrie Lake in there too, but <laughs> be aware, be cautious about Nikki Haley and Christy Nome because mm-hmm. they've got that Palin energy, that big Palin energy. Yeah. And, uh, well, I could talk about Nikki Haley a little bit day. brighter than Palin. Yeah. Um, Bob, well, I have uh, you for one final minute. Um, there have been many studies around the world that have shown that masks work now closer to home, mm. the new England journal of medicine has just put a, a, out a study that essentially proves that masks in the school districts uh, yep. did lead to significantly fewer COVID-19 cases among students and staff. This is empirical, right. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They compared. These are real-world studies. These are not, you know, double-blind sorts of laboratory studies with people who volunteer to come in. They compared schools that had mask mandates versus schools that did not have mask mandates in the Boston area. And shocking, the schools that had mask mandates had a far lesser prevalence of COVID infections than the ones without the mask mandates. 
duh. I mean, this yeah. is, I, it's, it's amazing that we're still having this conversation, although it, it, you know, it kind of isn't. I mean, the very fact that at the beginning of the pandemic, we had to instruct adults how to properly wash their hands. Nothing mm -hmm. surprised me now, John. I mean, as far as like, well, yeah, I mean, these surgeons who've been wearing masks for the last hundred years, what what the hell do they know anyway? You know, that's <laughs> it, obviously masking works, masking blocks, you know, the yeah. infect or makes it less likely that you well, was 70 percent uh, of efficacy of wearing a that's mask. Right. Add the so, vaccines on top of that. And duh, if you're a Trump sense. supporter getting surgery, demand no masks in your operating theater. Bob, how do our <laughs> listeners right. follow you? We got to hit a break. Uh, Bob Seska Show, everywhere you get your podcast. Also, bobseskashow.com. Everybody subscribe. Bob's show is fantastic. I subscribe to it, and it makes me a better, smarter person. Thank you, Mr. Seska. <laughs> we will see you next Thanks. week. We'll be right back with your calls on SiriusXM Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Let's go to the phones. We're at 866-997-4748. Tim in Chicago, thanks for your patience on hold. Hi, can you hear me? I sure can. Well, so glad to be on with you, John. Uh, I'm relatively a recent addition to your Daywalkers. I first heard you on uh, Michael Cohen's podcast and have been ah. listening to you ever since because I was Thank just floored by your command of the issues, appreciation for history, and above all, your encyclopedic knowledge of scripture. And I have to tell you, my friend, your patriotic duty to this country is not sitting on this uh, radio show agreeing with 99% of the people you speak with, but rather going on a speaking circuit in the Bible Belt and just taking these aptly named fake Christians to task about how little they know about their supposed faith and Savior, because no, I have to you. say well, these yeah. evangelicals, they're a close second when it comes to sources of misinformation right behind the uh, yes, right-wing outlets. It's amazing how few of them have actually read the book they use as a prop. And for me, it, you know, my, my deal, I, and I thank you for your kind words, I come at it from kind of a a, a weird perspective because I'm not an atheist, but yeah. I don't ever claim to be a, a good Christian. I've never claimed to be a good yeah, Christian. That's not my angle. A monk and a nun. I mean, and yeah, my dad was a, a brother. He wasn't a, he wasn't a, he wasn't a monk. He was a brother, but yeah, yeah. That. I can't think of anybody else if he had a gun to my head that could... Well, there's a lot of theologians. There's there's very good authors and theologians and academics who do it, and they write wonderful books that I read and 12 other people and w read. But yeah, I mean, I, it was my idea to add dick jokes yeah, to all of them. I know you have, uh, what's his name? You've had a few of them on. You've got, you've got great guests, and I know you've, you've got the the uh, the cottery there. So yeah, take them up. Take them as a panel on on tour and just. Well, I like it. Well, what I what I what I do is, you know, for me, there's 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 two angles at it. There's there's, you know, 
I have a, I have it in a, a love story of two people who had promised God to never marry, and they fell in love and broke their promise, and that's why I get to be here. But then there's yeah. the other side of it, which is that um, I'm furious seeing this religion that my parents were a part of, this religion that was a, a movement in the Holy Land uh, based on compassion and empathy and forgiveness and love, and seeing it turned into this mean little club. And and over the years, I've come to realize it's not just Christianity, it's all the world's great religions have this fundamentalist wing to them where they believe that women are second-class citizens. The more conservative your religion is, the more you hate gay people, the more you hate sex for non-procreative reasons, the more you think violence yeah. is okay if your side does it. And I think fundamentalist religion is an atheism factory. That's cool. I love atheists. I believe in them. But um, yeah, I've had it with godless motherfuckers like Donald Trump and Mike Pence, because I actually think when it comes to the New oh, Testament, yeah. those guys are equally fake Christian. Absolutely. Uh, and as you said before, if, if I am in a Rolling Stone covers band and I, I never play a Rolling Stone song, am I really in a Rolling Stone cover band? <laughs> wow, you have heard me talk. Yeah. Well, that's my point. Exactly. You know, a lot of folks like Chrissy Stroop, who's a great, great writer, and she, she fights me on this. And she goes, you know, don't call them fake Christians. This is what Christians really are. And, and I keep saying, no, if I'm in a Rolling Stone cover band and we only play songs by The Who and The Beatles— then then I'm not really a Rolling Stones cover band. And and that's what it's about to me. And and to me, the media is the real bad guy because the media needs a villain. So you get a Jerry Falwell, you get a Pat Robertson, you get one of these right-wing guys, and the media doesn't care about putting on someone who's going to talk about love and empathy and what the Gospels really say. The media knows these guys are douchebags, and they like that because yeah. the media's job is to get clicks. So we all tune well, into a say, villain, but then there's say, no medium ground. A college professor who used to be a man of the cloth, and he used to wear a shirt that said, uh, too many right-wing Christians, not enough lions. <laughs> See, so that... That's funny, but I wouldn't wear that. I'll try to be as quick as I Go can ahead. because uh, you've got some personal experience in this. And, you know, with Donald Trump's, you know, whatever announcement, who cares? Uh, people are talking about, obviously, as they do, uh, about Biden's you know, future. And yeah. is he going to run a second time? He says he is. I personally think that's a bad idea unless he gets rid of his current uh, VP, Kamala Harris. I mean, because the vice president in a Biden second term is going to carry a lot more importance Kamala Harris is clearly not up to the job. She's a career careerist that the uh, a career careerist spawned over because of her. Yeah, so she'll do and say whatever she can do and say to get to the next level. She has no ideology. She, you know, she couldn't even win her own state in the primaries. But the corporate media fawned all over her because she's a demographic that she they could sell diapers from. So. Well, if, if he had like a Katie, Porter I think she's a bit smarter. I think say, I think okay. she's a bit smarter than that. I think that she has certainly not had a chance oh. to assert herself or show off oh. why she would be fit to be president, and I'm willing to give her the chance to to do that. I, I certainly think they've I, I they've kept her hidden this whole administration had her job multiple times. She's flubbed it. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, we're we're a country of 30 second memory. You got to make that impression. You got to make it stick. Of and she's course, but here's the here's the flip side line. to it. Here's the here's the flip side to it. Let's say, God forbid, Joe Biden leaves us, or or he, he dies, or he has to leave, leave office. He re retires or resigns, and Kamala Harris is now suddenly the incumbent president. Who who do you want, Kamala Harris or Ron DeSantis? If those are your choices, I have that's a lot of a faith choice, that Kamala no, Harris will be the well, one who cares yeah. more about the environment, yeah, more about right. labor, yeah, more about women. Yeah, that's that's yet yet another you know lesser of two evils argument, which you know that's. But that's all of it. It's all lesser day. of two evils. That's all politics. Yeah, it's that's, all that's a two party system, which I know you know you don't like third parties, but uh, 
I like third parties, but when they don't ruin it, I mean, Lincoln was third party, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. As you said before, you know, third parties keep the more mainstream parties honest. They make them work for the votes, which you're supposed to do in democracy. I agree. So I agree with you, uh, but, you know, but, and I don't like voter shaming, you know, when you vote for someone, you're not voting against or for someone or taking a vote from somebody else. You're voting for the person that gave you the, uh, the most uh, confidence that they do be the best person at the job. You can't, Walk into a job interview, which is basically what a campaign is. It's a year-long job interview, and tell the right. hiring manager, "Hey, if you don't hire me, you're a horrible person, and you doomed us all." I mean, the, sure, but I, but, but do remember, person. at the end of the day, it, for many of us, it does come down to ideology. You know, for a lot of us, like Carrie Lakes of the world, okay, who's the shiniest thing? Who's popular? That's what I'm going to vote for. But for many of us, we do vote because of the issues. And so well, in that sense, I think we, I think we do. Now. I'm not a Democrat. I, I, I don't. Whoever they run, I'll probably vote for them yeah. anyway. No, I, I think that's a silver lining. I mean, if you remember after uh, Hillary lost, there was uh, one of those famous signs that say, hey, if Hillary had won, we'd still be out to brunch. I think the silver lining to Trump is that people are now paying attention. You know, I, I live in, you know, in Chicago, deeply blue city and deeply blue state. And I live, I've lived next to a library that's a voting booth or voting mm-hmm. station, rather, for the past eight years. This election, I saw a line out the door and around the block twice for a midterm in a safely blue state. Never saw that before. So I think people are finally paying attention the way they should in democracy because, as Aristotle said, democracy only works if the population is informed. And I think we're getting in in that direction. So anyway, so and uh, God bless young people for it. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, regardless of Biden running either now or you know running for a second term, or if there's going to be another uh, standard bearer, I think we need to talk about who is that standard bearer. And for me, uh, I think that uh, the person is kind of hiding in plain sight. I don't know a whole lot about his, uh, you know, aspirations for, uh, you know, being the president. But I would like to think that, like anyone working on the Hill, he's, you know, thought about it at least seriously uh, five ooh, times ooh. this past month. Uh, well, it's someone you've met, which I would love to get your, uh, your uh, input on, and that's Jamie Raskin. And like most yeah. people outside of Maryland, I didn't know who he was until he – did that masterful uh, leadership of uh, of Donald Trump's second impeachment. And uh, the more I looked in his background, you know, Harvard Law Review, but he's also been on the right side of a lot of issues. Oh, yeah. And oh, what yeah. really cocked my eyebrow was when he endorsed Nina Turner in her unfortunately failed congressional campaign. And Nina Turner, obviously, as you know, was, you know, part of the Bernie Sanders campaign. And yeah. he did that bucking the trend of, you know, the Nancy Pelosi's and the Chuck Schumer's of his party that, uh, you know, backed her corporate and super PAC uh, funded mm-hmm. uh, opponent. No, he's very and independent. So I, I, yeah. And, and as I said, on the right side of a lot of issues. So I don't know. I, you've met the man. I would love to hear your take on uh, what you think about him potentially <laughs> wow. uh, taking the helm for the Democratic Party and more importantly, the progressive left, which is, you know, obviously going to be the future if we're going to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. Well, I would love to see him run because I think he would bring a lot to the debate. I think he's a man of intense dignity and a man who's been through a lot of loss and his loss has led him to have more empathy for those less fortunate than him. Um, Full disclosure, I'm... I'm playing his birthday party next month. He's he's turning sixty, oh, and he has to get right out of town, sir. So it would That's be awesome. weird and disingenuous to not say I'm going to go tell jokes at the guy's birthday party. But I, I will be the I will be the house band uh, at his birthday in Maryland. Um, I'm not going to miss work, Chris. It's on a weekend. Recent uh, gig with him. Does that happen because of that connection? 
I guess so. I'm shocked he still wanted to speak to me after watching me do stand-up for half an hour, but hey, you know. So, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think he's a, well, you know a, a man of uncommon decency, but I do think I do think that if Joe Biden wants the nomination again, uh, he'll get it, for better or worse. I do think that Joe yeah, Biden will have an extraordinary record to run on, a record of accomplishment in a first term that few presidents can match. If he only serves one term, he will go down in history as maybe the most consequential one-term president ever. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I, I think that there is a chance if he doesn't, there'll be a very big Democratic field with a lot of interesting names, and it's going to be really good for civics overall. All the young people who got into politics because of Roe this year will stay very engaged with two big primary races. Yeah, well, I mean, I would have to say, John, you know, the first thing that Hillary Clinton should have done when she found out that Donald Trump was her opponent is that she should have hired a bunch of uh, comedic, you know, political analysts like yourself, uh, because they would be able to provide her with a sound bias to just really mop the floor with Donald Trump on TV. And that's something that Rick Wilson, you know, I don't agree with a lot of his policies, but I respect him as a comms professional since I am one sure. myself. Sure. Uh, so game recognizes game. But he said, and I think uh, it was like uh, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, foundation interview, but he said that, you know, this is right before the 2020 election is that and, the you know, Joe Biden was the front runner is that, you know, they're the opponent for Donald Trump needs to be able to mop the floor with him on live TV. Just make him, you know, make that little fat puckered lip quiver. I agree. And be just, you know, humiliated in front of everybody. He would never be able to recover from that. If you have the right zingers, the right, you know, comedic timing, and you don't come off with that kind of that lecturing or, you know, yeah, the condescending, which means to talk down to attitude that Democrats, unfortunately, just, uh, you know, exude you, or that or that school marm, you know, demeanor that Hillary Clinton just leaked out. Of well, her in fairness, in fairness, I do also have to say Hillary Clinton evolved so far as a public speaker. The person she was by 2016 was light years better on stage than than who, when she first ran for Senate. And I'll also say that she kicked Trump's ass in three debates and she got more votes than him. She got more votes at the time than any white man or orange man in our country's history. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to Fail Better. David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. (music) 
If you're just joining us, the defeated, twice impeached former president facing incredible legal and political peril uh, just announced that his private club in Florida, he's running for president yet again in spite of popular demand. Uh, will the republic survive? Of course it will. And we will be there to remind you where it's funny. Uh, because Donald Trump, at the end of the day, is proof that there's a Satan, but he's also proof that if there is a God, he wants us to laugh. I am so thrilled to welcome our next guest uh, to the show. I've admired her on many TV shows. I just saw her on Dr. Phil a couple of weeks ago. I've had the pleasure of being on panels on News Nation with Dr. Tracy Pearson. She's a legal analyst and consultant, appearing on TV, radio, podcasts. She's been quoted in so many publications from Forbes to Fast Company to the New York Post. She does so much TV, including Cheddar News and multiple Fox syndicates. It is a great pleasure to welcome Dr. Tracy Pearson, finally, to SiriusXM. Hello. Thank you very much. It's great to be here, John. Uh, I heard you say earlier, the evil army of the night, and I happen to be a member now. So this is good. <laughs> I'm delighted. Thank you so much. I, I mean, let me begin by by asking you, you're, you're, you're one of the best people I know on the subject of implicit bias. So that's going to come up a lot as we discuss various political dynamics. But let me begin by just asking you, um, what is your response as someone who who covers these strategies for a living to how the media handled Donald Trump's announcement last night and how they've handled the first 24 hours after the announcement. Oh, their, their, their job is to get the story as fast as possible and beat uh, the other outlets. And they're not pausing to think about what they're conveying to the American people, to the public at large. Um, one of the outlets that got it right last night was NPR. They nailed it. They described him exactly as who he is, which is the twice impeached, uh, uh, alleged to have, have started an insurrection, et cetera, and so on. I mean, it was it was all uh, in that one headline, and it was perfect. As opposed yeah. to, you know, how they've the other folks described him, which was void of any real factual information. And I think that that yes. what we've talked about on News Nation about the issue of framing and how you choose to frame a subject and why you choose to do that and why you choose to describe things the way you do. That's so I think right. the media needs to get 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 a, a lesson from 2016 mm -hmm. and and really get a handle on it. There's so much media coverage of the media coverage of Trump's announcement and I find that right-wing media that carried water for this racist clown and backed up his lies, defended his lies, attacked his critics, ran interference from every way they could, traded in their manhood and womanhood to be supplicants to this despicable cretin, uh, and left-wing media or, or moderate centrist media that used this man and exploited his loathsome qualities for ratings, 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 ratings. They're all now pretending they're too good for this guy, all of them. And again, I, I include the entire media spectrum who cashed in on this man. It's almost like both sides have suddenly realized, oh, he's not going to be as good for ratings anymore. So we don't have to air him or pretend we like him. Absolutely. They are no longer pandering to an audience of one. And, uh, you know, Murdoch and company are, are no longer engaged with uh, Trump, at That's least right. formally. And so they're not interested and and all the other media outlets. I mean, I watch them too. I, I, News Nation, I love News Nation. They paint mm -hmm. themselves as sort of being neutral, which is not yes. a thing. It doesn't exist. It, it doesn't exist. 
like fair and biased how how can you be fair and I mean, how can you be fair, 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 fair and biased is what I call this show, fair and balanced. It's like, how is it possible to be fair and balanced at the same time? You can't necessarily do those two things, but it sounds good. Objectivity doesn't exist. And, you know, it, it just to me, it makes it makes me it makes me crazy because I think. I get their left. I get the right wing media. Haters going to hate. Right. They love Trump. He was their champion. They loved it. It's. It's the so-called liberal media, which is to say the corporate media, the mainstream media that use this guy. I remember watching MSNBC and seeing them cutting away from a Hillary Clinton speech to show a blank, empty podium awaiting Trump's arrival. The same organizations that disdained him, they all bought yachts off of this guy. And now it just sort of seems like, well, uh, they're not going to have him around anymore. They're not they're not going to take him as seriously. Dr. As soon as Donald Trump starts saying outrageous things in stadiums, they're going to start covering him again, aren't they? This yawn, this is going to pass. Donald Trump is going to tear in to Ron DeSantis with all of his teeth and try to savage him. And there will be people who mistake that for strength or ratings gold. My understanding is that at least MSNBC has taken an approach of not covering, not airing things that are false. So okay. to the extent that they are going to, to cover him, they're going to cover him as, as a still shot, maybe with some commentary. But the other outlets, I'm concerned about what CNN's going to do. I think we may see a shift to uh, what Fox was doing, becoming what CNN might be doing. I, I don't know what's happening with that outlet. Uh, obviously, Fox is going to cover the nasty, the nastiness and, and cover it in a way that's not truthful. Um, right. It will certainly be entertainment for for the two of us. I am personally embodying right now uh, George uh, King George the the third uh, in Hamilton, where he says, "Jesus Christ, this is going to be fun. They're going to tear each other apart." And I think that that's going to be entertaining. But I worry about the entertainment value of that skewing uh, voters in 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 yes. a very bad way. I I I think that when you get these two evildoers out there there are people that are going to follow one or both of them of course um and and you know dr stephen hassan he's a great guy he's a he's i wanted a to ask you about leader. dr stephen hassan yes he's a world leader on cults and uh understanding what what cults are and how they work and i had interviewed him in depth uh for a streaming episode of a show that i i did and uh, he was really fascinating in understanding how mind control happens. And that the thing that we understood mind control to originally, how it originally came about was uh, having contained spaces. When you think about certain quote religions where there's contained spaces and they control what you see and what you hear and what you look at and who's there. And that's how you get brought into the cult and they love bomb you, et cetera those spaces have now become the world with technology and that they can right. do the same thing in these echo chambers. And that's really what's happening on things like Twitter and less so on Instagram, but Twitter and, and TikTok and, and all of the other things that are out there that I, you know, try to avoid if I can. Um, but I think that <laughs> I tried to, I, I learned TikTok the other day. I, I'm trying to learn TikTok. I'm it's trying scary. to do TikTok as well. I'm stumbling my uh, way through TikTok right now. 
exactly. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, millennial reporting, you know, not, but, not, not exactly. I'm not, but I, I just, I, I don't know how to, to do some of this stuff. It's amazing. I've turned into my, my parents where I'm just like, right, but, but, but Russia learn. does know how to do this stuff. Russia does know how to do this stuff. And what's amazing is, you know, when we look at how the technology has evolved from George Bush to now, I mean, let's go back 15, 16 years the devotion to George W. Bush was cult-like. If you criticized him in any way, you were in league with the terrorists and you hated freedom. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, they were so devoted to Bush. And then one day, Trump came along in 2015 and said, Bush lied us into war. And overnight, overnight, the cult had a new leader. And suddenly, Bush became persona non grata overnight in the Republican Party. And Donald Trump was the new leader. And I thought, how can they shift their loyalties so rapidly and now this week we are witnessing the same process happening in a much more organized way from trump to ron DeSantis. i mean i think it's reasonable in a year some of these trolls are going to deny they ever supported trump absolutely and and it's the way the human mind works the human mind How? is trying to place well it's trying to place things into buckets your brain is working 24 7 to categorize information it's coming in as fast as you can imagine it's happening while you're sleeping what happens is your brain is, is taking in through your ears, your eyes, et cetera, and putting it into these buckets. This is like this, this is not like this. And then what it's doing simultaneously is trying to assign how you're going to respond to that um, simultaneously. And it's, as I described, this is the fastest black get, blackjack game that you could ever imagine. And that's where error comes into play. That's why where you get something like implicit bias, because your brain makes a it's the same hardware, same software, never been an upgrade. It's the way it works. And it, it all comes down to survival mechanism. Everything is about survival. It's programmed off of when we were being chased by tigers. So right. when you want to survive as being liked, your brain processes information. And if your peer group happens to be somebody a group of somebodies who, who who are aligned with the George Bushes, then with the Trumps, and now whoever's going to come after Trump, then you're going to be more likely to treat that information favorably and respond in kind. It, it really is a scientific basis for why this stuff happens. And the key to understanding what to do about it is, A, understanding it's scientific and that it's not a personal character flaw, and that also understanding that you... Um, need to be able to see the bigger picture. You need to ask yourself, why do I think that? Why do I think, let's say, that uh, you know Donald Trump is is incompetent? And then <laughs> go through this process of analyzing that information. The problem I think that we've ended up with here is that most of of our our population doesn't do that. They don't right. think about why they think about what they think, and they don't That's question right. this. And that's why a show like this is really great because we stop, we pause and we say, wait a minute, let's talk about this and back up from it and engage with people so that they are uh, part of the conversation and they aren't just receiving information from people that they like. Uh, if you like right, MSNBC and you're a Rachel follower, then you like them. And exactly. if you're a CNN person or if you're a, you know, whatever person, then you liked them and you aligned with them again, the brain doing the category thing. Exactly. So it's so, deeper than something like product brand name loyalty, GOP, Bush. It's a form of pure tribalism. And I guess the fight or flight impulse comes into play 
when an authoritarian-based party is constantly for decades telling you what the existential threat to your family's safety is. Oh, the communists are going to come. The Russians are going to come. Okay, well, that's over. Now it's going to be the drug dealers and the cartels. They're going to come. Okay, well, that's over. Now it's going to be the terrorists. Oh, we had that. The terrorists are coming. Now uh, the undocumented people and the trans kids who want to use a bathroom they're comfortable in, they're coming. I mean, it was only 18 years ago that Bush glided to re-election on fear that marriage equality for gay people would be a threat to traditional marriage. That is how Bush beat John Kerry after there were no WMDs. They scared people into a war on bullshit. Then they scared people about bullshit about gay marriage. Is that how it manifests itself? That there's always, we're not going to offer you anything to make your life better, but we'll always promise to protect you from the boogeymen we create for you. That is their underlying goal is to act as as the the great protector, like any cult, if you will. Uh, they, I, we are going to protect you and take care of you and we are your family and you are part of us. And that's where social desirability comes into play. There's, there's an assessment I could give that would lay you out on a line that would be either I am, I am more leaning towards being wanting to be socially desirable, meaning people like me versus I'm more willing to not be. And where you fit in that category depends on whether you're going to be more likely to be quelled by that sort of uh, that sort of promise that you'll be protected. So um, as much as you love studying implicit bias, I love studying irony. Would the irony be a guy like Donald Trump, a, a cretin picking Uh, a Bible pusher like Mike Pence to give him social desirability. And the irony being now Mike Pence can't get arrested and the media is kind of like following him around, pretending he's really going to be a presidential campaigner. I mean, no, no one's buying Mike Pence's book. Mike Pence's family isn't going to buy his book. Like it's, and it's not about the faith, right? They all keep saying, Oh, he's the good Christian. He's not. If you've read the new Testament, It's about the charisma. They loved Pence because Trump told them to love Pence. The cult leader told them to. And it's got nothing to do with any kind of ideology ideology, or even with any kind of critical thought. Pence has been kicked off the island. The tribe has spoken. 